third-party games on Xbox is something that continues to get attention from fans of both the Xbox platform as well as those in the industry just looking for explanations about why so many third-party games are skipping out on Xbox. And today I wanted to use an article from Windows Central where the author of the article is essentially asking that question. Miles Dompier is saying, what in the world's going on? Can we get some answers as to why so many titles are skipping out on the Xbox platform? And he does bring in some interesting aspects that I think tie into some of the things that we have been talking about with respect to game pass elements there is the ecosystem that they're fostering there's also the cost of porting games that has to be considered when you are the smaller platform out there on the market right now and then extra porting costs if you want to optimize your game to run on the series s and not just the series x because there is going to be some work and legwork that would need to be done there and i want to pull out some choice moments and quotes from the article because I really do think this is something that people are starting to pick up on and notice because if you're going to be a third-party game with a presence on the Microsoft platform on their ecosystem, you are going to want to be on Game Pass. Many people have commentated on that. We even have sales figures as far as how many units have moved for games like Shovel Knight to look at. So there's a lot to come over right here in the beginning of the video. I try to put all the good information at the front end. This is a longer video because it's a live stream. I will be breaking this down, discussing this, and likely debating this with the live audience as one can get a little contentious. So if you look at this article here that I've got pulled up, you can see here on Windows Central saying, why are major third-party games constantly skipping the Xbox? Xbox has a complicated third-party problem that will be tough for Microsoft to solve. And he doesn't really hold back. Miles, you know, the author here, kind of kicks off right at the beginning talking about here, time and time again, we've seen major publishers skip Xbox, right? And he says at another point, there are there are dozens of examples of global video game releases that come to every platform possible except for the Xbox. And there's apparently another big skip on the way that many people might be pointing to Final Fantasy being a Sony exclusive, right? There is an ESRB rating apparently that got leaked. Uh, He goes on later down here in the article and says this, according to Internet Sleuths, who snapped several screenshots from the ESRB website, Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster has been rated for PS4 and Nintendo Switch. While the ESRB has seemingly pulled these console listings, this development adds credence to the long-running rumors of console ports for this beloved collection of iconic RPGs. PlayStation and Nintendo fans celebrated the idea of playing Final Fantasy 1 through 6 on their favorite platforms, but Xbox players are worried they'll be neglected yet again. Now, there's lots of theories around this. I'm sure people will say those titles won't do as well on Xbox, or maybe it's a Sony exclusivity thing like with the previous Final Fantasy deal that happened. Given that Nintendo was listed, I don't think we're staring at a PlayStation exclusive, but we may be looking at another pretty significant title uh, and franchise just saying we're going to go ahead and pass up on the Xbox. Now, something that Miles talked about in the article is there's a lot of theories that fans will come up with that don't really land on this. 
and he was basically saying I, I wanted to know what was going on he, he's trying to look into this and the next section of the article is basically saying why doesn't the media care right and he says as tensions climb between Xbox and fans regarding third party inconsistencies community members look to investigative journalists for answers with few concrete stories published on what's incontrovertibly happening behind the scenes but certain critics have suggested that the media doesn't care about uncovering the truth. Like many players, I have a laundry list of questions and concerns surrounding video games I love, outright ignoring the Xbox platform. And so he actually reached out to a bunch of people here. He reached out to Capcom, Xbox, Koei Tecmo, trying to get an answer. And he basically couldn't get an answer. Unsurprisingly, many publishers just say, we we have nothing further to share at this time. He says, I've also spoken to numerous industry professionals familiar with the business dynamics of ports and platform viability off the record in hopes of obtaining further insights now you really got to read through some of the lines here to see what why would you need to talk to people off record about porting games to the xbox platform that doesn't seem to be that controversial why would you need to be secretive about that or cloak and dagger or, Ooh, hey talk to me but off the record this reminds me of the time that the two devs recently spoke out about the Xbox Series S being a weaker console and it being a problem, and then they immediately went private on Twitter. It was almost like, oops, yeah, we, we probably shouldn't have said that, maybe responding to public pressure, fear. Maybe they you know are worried about their future in the industry. Microsoft's very big, has very deep pockets, and owns a lot of property they they can they can have sway i I don't think people want to upset big daddy microsoft it's interesting that nobody would really talk on the record about this like wouldn't somebody just say here's some of the realities here's some of the things that's been going on and he has another example of of a third-party game that's that's frustrated him here which legend with legend of mana or legend of mana whatever you want to call it one of my favorite games of all time overlooking xbox being the catalyst for my unending quest so this is why he launched on this quest to figure this out what is going on keep in mind this is windowscentral.com this isn't some anti-xbox propaganda blog or something in my search i've encountered many passionate industry advocates doing their best to shed some light on the situation unfortunately despite my best efforts and active investigations i still need definitive answers to provide discouraged xbox players if you're wondering why certain titles are skipping he can't seem to figure it out and many people will say things like well all oh, the, the xbox you know these certain certain developers don't like xbox right certain developers want to avoid xbox or or, or things of that nature and i don't think that that is a, a a compelling argument he addresses that here you know a publisher essentially ignoring a market or an entire platform out of spite feels a little unlikely given the allure of the mighty dollar However, the dollar is probably what's dictating a lot of this, and he gets into that down here, citing reports that indicate smaller-scale indie ports can take three to six months to build and typically start at around $50,000. Now, this timeline and financial investment dramatically increases regarding complex AAA launches. I want you to consider the fact that even if you're an indie title, you're you're talking about spending $50,000 or more and, and 
bumping the launch of your game back three to six months. Now, the larger the title when you're weighing these realities, you're going to be looking at the Xbox platform and maybe raising a bit of an eyebrow, okay? It is a platform that is the smaller market-saturated platform in the market right now when you compare it to PlayStation 4 and 5 and the Nintendo Switch. Xbox is woefully behind. That's not a slam. These are just realities of what has happened over the last 10 years or so or more of attempting to saturate the market with their hardware. That's going to make it a tough decision for certain platforms and companies to say, do we want to go over there? They're a significantly smaller footprint. Beyond that, they promote Game Pass pretty heavily, at least the last couple of years they have, which has grown that user base to around 25 million people. So even if you take your game over there, you're talking about 25 million people who have a vested interest in basically saying, do I even have to buy your game? And if they don't, then they're not a potential customer. So the shrinking of potential purchasers outright from moment one is obviously a question many developers and even publishers are going to have to ask like if we go over there Microsoft really wants us on Game Pass it's an ecosystem where people focus on Game Pass and that could be a problem and then he cites Shovel Knight which I thought this was incredibly interesting he cites Shovel Knight to show just the disparity of unit sales that can happen on the Xbox platform now you might come up with some form of reason as to why this happened But I think this is telling of why some people are looking at that platform and saying, that's just not the platform for our game. Right here, the critically and commercially acclaimed indie darling Shovel Knight infamously performed disappointingly on Xbox. And this last portion here is really, I think, a telltale sign of trouble. When Yacht Club Games celebrated its 2 million unit milestone in 2018, a pie chart showed the Xbox version citing sitting at less than 5% of total sales. That's less than 5%. So they moved 2 million units and less than 100,000, less than 100,000 of those units actually sold on the Xbox platform. Okay, if if that's the if that's the reality facing some third-party platforms, games, genres, developers, who knows what the actual reasons are? Are, are? are people over there not too fond of indie titles? Maybe they don't like challenging games. Maybe pixel art games aren't super popular. I don't know what the reasons are. We've seen other indie titles do well on Xbox. We've seen pixel art games have a resurgence and comeback. And yet, this game, infamous and famous, I mean, it just did very, very poorly. And... To respect the wishes of individuals that he spoke to, he doesn't do direct quotations. Right down here, this paragraph to me is so interesting because they people don't want to be directly quoted on these things. Why? What 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 do people what are they afraid of? Listen to how this paragraph reads. I think there's so much here without saying anything he's saying quite a bit. To respect the wishes of the individuals I've spoken to about the situation, I won't share official quotes or comments. A common theme tender during my industry outreach was intricacy. The explanations many fans and pundits supply for Xbox's lack of universal third-party support doesn't often represent the delicate nuance of, and this is where it gets interesting, sustainable business relationships, financial goals, platform expectations, and the unpredictable human element are all likely candidates for this corporate 
conundrum. Now, I think he's choosing his words very wisely here. He's not directly quoting anybody, but he's essentially saying the challenges here are sustainable business relationships. And this is something that we have talked about quite a bit in my coverage of the Xbox platform and Game Pass. Much of Game Pass is antithetical to the goals and the aspirations of developers and publishers, which is we want to sell as many games as possible. We're not trying to get a fat check from Microsoft. Unless, of course, you're designed very well with ongoing monetization and you're the type of live service game that could do very well with a giant funnel of people trying your game out, many game developers and companies wouldn't see this as a sustainable business relationship. You're giving us a lump sum and then your users can essentially play the game and we get no money from that perpetual uh, relationship or purchases because there's nobody really buying at that point. They're saying, well, I I tried it out. I I played it on Game Pass. The other aspect of this is financial goals, platform expectations. So if your financial goals are maximizing purchase to, you know, secure investment for your next big game, you know, you're, you're trying to get another publisher or maybe you're trying to get your publisher to reinvest in the franchise. Well, those are your financial goals and that's difficult to square with a platform that's saying, Hey, come to our platform and go on our subscription service. Basically serve our goals. Microsoft's goals of like, Oh, we want to bolster game pass. And then your financial goals might not line up with that because, no, we need to sell as many copies as possible for a litany of reasons. One of those being we want to procure investment in the next project. Platform expectations. This, again, I think is him saying something without saying something. He's saying the platform expectations of Microsoft is if you're going to come over here and be third party, we would like to have you on Game Pass. And I think these are not aligned with third party dev goals a lot of the times. There's, there's a lot of moving parts to this, and I think when you have less market share, it makes sense to get skipped some of the times, right? But you're still Xbox, right? You're still Microsoft. You still have, I think, a brand worthy of attention. I think the whole issue gets compounded by the porting costs because if you're looking at launching your game on a particular timeline and porting it to a platform is going to delay that re- launch you're going to question whether or not you should do it. A really good example of this right now would be Hogwarts Legacy. They're launching on the Nintendo Switch almost half a year after it launches on the next-gen consoles, which are basically now current-gen consoles. And then Xbox One and PS4 are also having a delayed launch of Hogwarts. What that shows you is it takes time to get a game ready. And the weaker the system, the longer the time. At this point, we can't ignore the Series S in this equation. I keep coming back to this. You have companies basically saying, we're going to skip one of the main contenders in the industry right now. We're not landing over there. Porting cost. It'll make the game take longer to come out. And in addition to that equation, you also have a console that's weaker. So if you optimize your game to run on the PlayStation 5, getting it to run on the Series X would not be a hop, skip, and a jump. It wouldn't be that much work. It would take time. It would take money. And you have to consider... 
when you're doing that you're going to a platform that's smaller than the ps5 you're also going to a platform that's fostered an ecosystem of non-purchase you have 25 million people that are going to be looking for your game to land on game pass and you hope that maybe the lump sum from microsoft is adequate to make up for that potential loss of sales so that's adding to the discussion and then on top of all of that let's say you hack through those weeds and say we're going to launch on the smaller platform we're going to launch on the platform that largely pushes people to a subscription mindset and in addition to that we're going to spend extra development time and money optimizing our game for the series s because it's weaker than the series x look at any of the tech breakdowns this is in hate this is not anti-xbox propaganda this is facts Look at any of the tech breakdowns of how games run on the Series S. It took dev time. It took money to optimize the game to run at that level. Many games right now running at dynamic 1080 resolution, also having to sacrifice frames per second. Some of these games are running dynamic 1080 and not even hitting 60 frames per second, which is absurd. Those are old-gen stats. That's not even next-gen stats. It's not even close to next-gen stats. I'm not even talking 4K ray tracing. I'm just talking minimum expectations here of getting like 1440 and 60 FPS, or at least 1440 with consistent 30. And some games are failing to do that. Now, if you want to fault the devs for that and say it's on the devs they didn't do the work they didn't take the time you really have to start to wonder why would they why would they spend extra time and money why would they kick the launch of their game further down the road you might push back and say series s has good market saturation it's done very well compared to the series x yes which i think adds to the problem You're basically saying if your game's going to be successful on our ecosystem, it either needs to go on a subscription service or it needs to be able to run on the system we've sold more of, which is weaker than the PS5 and the Series X. And if we look at the launch of Hogwarts Legacy as a test case, it is very clear that the weaker the system, the longer the dev time. The longer the dev time, the more potential weaker ROI and public perception that the game isn't good or taking too long, or at the end of the day, it might not even run that well on these systems when it finally comes out. I've actually kind of warned people about that with Hogwarts. The question is why Xbox is having a hard time getting third-party games is so complex. There is no one answer here. There's levels of market saturation that are likely weighing weighing in. There's demographic differences when it comes to Asian market, more Japanese-based games being successful in a Western market on a Western platform. There's those elements. There's elements of Game Pass an ecosystem of non-purchase. There's elements of having a weaker system on your platform saturation. There's many layers to this. I don't think there is a quick solution, but it certainly looks worrying for those who have bought in and really hope that Xbox can start to land as a larger, more respectable platform in the gaming industry. This is likely related to the Activision Blizzard acquisition because, listen... If third parties are going to be skipping our platform, well, then let's buy some of the biggest ones so we can put them on Game Pass. Then we can make money, obviously, on the other platforms. I consistently think that acquisition is about software. Microsoft wants the software so they can sell it on Sony and Nintendo Switch and make profit on ecosystems of purchase and continue to bolster their ecosystem of subscription. I'd be interested to know what you think. Leave comments below. Make sure you're here for the live discussion. That's a pretty long show open. We're trying a new format. And um, 
Zubair, it looks like you got your thing, uh, your your thing figured out. Glad to have you back, Zubair. About after yesterday, and guys, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope you're enjoying the new format of show open. It's a little bit more monologue, but I do enjoy uh, doing it this way. And I hope we got enough from that article for you to feel like you can react to. I think this is a pretty complex situation. I think this is pretty nuanced. I don't think. It's easy to figure out, man, why are companies skipping out on this platform? This is one of, used to be one of the gods. Uh, while I was in my settings, I updated my pick. You're looking good. You're looking good. The salt and pepper uh, looks good on you. I'm, I'm actually kind of jealous. I actually am. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping one day. I'm, I'm getting it. I'm getting some salt and pepper in the beard. I love it. It's very dignified. You're going to have to help me understand the discussion. Most Xbox games are third-party right now. Okay, Sven. It's not about the current library, right? It's not about the current library. It's about games that are skipping, right? This this guy, okay, so again, keep in mind, this guy's writing for Windows Central, all right? This isn't some pro-Sony blog. This is a guy that's like pro-Xbox, and he's like, bro, why are third-party games skipping? What is going on? He's essentially trying to make sense of why does this happen when it does. Now, yes, High on Life is crushing it, but that's another question, okay? High on Life is crushing it right now commercially. The question for those developers are this. Did that relationship with Microsoft put enough money in the bank to to make up for what could have been sales? And beyond that... If that was a company that wanted to do another game, like if if you look at if you look at High on Life's commercial success, do we have actual sales? I've seen at least two or three articles that were saying that it's been doing very well commercially, like it's actually doing well on all the platforms, like it's ranking high on sales and reviews. Uh, it's doing well on Steam, I believe, as well. So commercially crushing it, maybe maybe I'm overstating it. It's doing well commercially, okay. One of the things in the equation is it's it's one of the most popular games on Xbox right now. But it's also a Game Pass game. Yo, what's good feed? I see you in the chat. Could have been uh could have been sales. Ain't no way that it's getting good sales on consoles at 50 pounds. Yo, Space Dovakin with a $5 tip through Super Chat. After the ABK deal goes through, it's going to be impossible for external devs to ignore the platform unless PlayStation keeps paying to skip Xbox. Thank you for the $5 tip. Guys, thanks for doing all the things, all the morning rituals this morning. Uh, Make sure you've smashed like. Make sure you are on live chat. I love having these types of discussion with you guys. Let's chop this one up. Get us started on our member goal for the day. We hit it yesterday. Good to hit that every day. 25 members, and I have to gift five. From my armchair analyst perspective, things haven't really looked worse for the box for a long time. They're in a perpetual wait-until mode. It sucks for people stuck there, I'm sure. Looks to be doing really well on Steam. Yeah, High on Life's doing well on Steam. Yeah, it's having commercial success. It is. It it is having commercial success. And that's always the question. Is when something has commercial success, like, I don't know, Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight moves 2 million units. And less than 5% of those units are on the Xbox. You have to wonder what in the world 
led to that? Why did that happen? Now, it's not every single game. Some third-party games have landed on Xbox or Game Pass, and a lot of the indies, some indies have come out and said, it's been really good for us, right? It's not every game. But I think third parties are starting to look and say, no, especially if they're more Japanese-leaning. And Phil Spencer has owned this about, at some point in this uh, article, I believe he quoted Phil Spencer about wanting to rebuild those relationships. Like, acknowledging they don't actually have a great relationship and funnel of Japanese-developed games, which is a massive market to miss out on. Um... I would have never have done this in sales because of reviews. It never looked so bad for Xbox. Xbox gaming revenue calendar year. Yeah, I'm not talking about revenue. The topic of today is not how Xbox is finally having one of their better fiscal years. That's That's not in question. What's in question is why are third party devs skipping? Why would somebody look at this platform and say, yeah, no, we're not gonna do that. Yeah, there he is. There's my man, YouTube Lurker, coming in. Getting us started with five gifted members. Every 25 members, and I have to gift five. That's my commitment to you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Mantis, Music and Gaming Forever, God Howard, Adrian, and Dave Goodall. It would have been overlooked by so many only for Game Pass. I think this is a win-win. I actually don't agree with that. I think High on Life had very good marketing. Everybody was looking forward to it. I don't think that they had sort of this like, oh no, it wouldn't have done very well. Where did he talk about that? Um, Right here, right here, this, this guy says, this isn't my first time discussing the shortcomings of third-party support on Xbox. Previously, I detailed Team Green's complicated struggles to maintain growth in the Japanese market and highlighted an unfortunately long list of JRPG franchises not currently available on modern Xbox consoles. For enthusiasts feverishly following industry developments, this isn't exactly breaking news. However, recent rumblings have reigniting frustrations from the community once again. And then he cites the final fantasy thing so it's like what what would be the reason you have this long list of jrpgs and then why would you have a final fantasy pixel remaster land on nintendo and playstation but not land on xbox i i highly doubt sony paid for exclusivity to to but then nintendo's getting it that wouldn't make much sense at the most basic level it's because the roi in an xbox version isn't good so either sales will be low costs will be high or both the third-party games skip because Sony's paying them. Reviewers ripped it apart. I don't think this game would do well without Game Pass. Yeah, but the community was giving it high scores, Paul. I think you're underestimating how much the community and review scores on Steam, and you know, you're conveniently clipping out in that screenshot you've taken. You're conveniently clipping out the disparity between the 22 critics that gave it a six, between a six and a seven, and everybody else that's landing between much higher. And uh, like, th- yeah, it's an eight dot two from user ratings. I think that would have helped it. I like to say that High on Life is doing well because of Game Pass is just hubris. That's bl- that's just hubris. That game is doing well commercially and being praised because it's a good game, not because of freaking Game Pass. It's on Steam. 
doing well. That has nothing to do with Game Pass. You think Steam users are concerned with Game Pass? Like, well, wait, wait, let me see what my Game Pass bros say. No, I don't think so at all. Astro Candy with 15 months. Thank you so much, and thanks for doing a member plus, Astro Candy. Come on, Lona, you really doubt PlayStation is paying Square Enix to stay away from Xbox? Well, I mean, he talks about that here. He talks about that here in this par- uh, in paragraph. He says, Currently, console versions of Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster have not been confirmed by Square Enix, so we can't say definitely whether this rumored release is confidently skipping Xbox. Sadly, disheartened community members don't have monumental optimism given the inharmonious history of Square Enix titles on Xbox. The console omission probably wouldn't be worth scrutinizing in an isolated instance. However, the genuine lack of faith and enthusiasm vocalized by Xbox fans on social media following these reports was palpable. To say that this is happening because of Sony, man oh man, you, you sound like Phil Spencer saying... Sony Sony keeps us small that's how they're popular like like I love how Microsoft's trying to trying to posture as the plucky underdog as that one headline said or that one tweet how are, how are they convincing everybody they're the plucky underdog here it's Microsoft car doc Ren gifting five more members Delfino Ziggyba, J2 Valid, Eli, and Tej. There we go. Off to such a strong start. 10 members already. Get in here. If you just got a gifted member this morning, make sure you're in our Discord so you don't miss the members only content that we do. And Uncle Brada renewing for five months. Welcome back. Happy holidays to you and the family and all of you in chat. Thank you very much, Uncle Brada. Why put final on Xbox when they aren't going to charge anything for it? get rid of Game Pass and a lot of devs would go on Xbox again. Eugene says, let's grant the game skip because Sony pays. The fact that Sony can pay for all this exclusivity is indicative of how poorly these devs believe they would perform on Xbox. Eugene, what games are being skipped on Xbox exactly? I mean, this guy wrote an article about it right here. Right here. JRPG franchises we want on Xbox. The beloved Japanese series missing from the platform. So he goes through Legend of Heroes, YS, Shin... I don't know any of these games, by the way. But that's one of the issues, right? These games here, any of the mana games, or mana games, Legends of Mana, Legends of Mana... I mean, Pokemon is a big reach, brother. Come on, this one shouldn't be on the list. That's not anywhere but Nintendo. Uh, th- this this one being included is not indicative of any anything that's problematic with the Xbox platform. This is freaking. Th- this is a Nintendo stranglehold. Sony doesn't have no Pokemon. So here's all of the games, just JRPG in general, that are not on the platform. Right? Oh, it's East. YS is East. Thank you, Smashville. So. I like I don't this is Windows Central. Yes, this is windowscentral.com. Th- th- this is not an anti Microsoft anti Xbox platform. This guy's saying, "Look, man, third parties are skipping." He's not saying they're skipping all the time, but they're skipping. And he's like, "I want to figure out why." That's what he's doing. So, he set out to figure this out. This section of his article right here why doesn't the media care alright so he's like what's going on what, what, can, can anybody speak to this hey you over there why'd you skip 
hey, you over there, why'd you skip, right? Windows Central isn't part of Microsoft. I didn't say that it was, but it certainly isn't an anti-Microsoft platform. They're, I would have, I would imagine they have a pretty strong bias to be pro-Xbox, pro-Microsoft with a name like Windows Central. True SS... Jay Havoc with three months of membership. Common sense isn't common from some of these people. Square Enix as well and others have data and they know if the series will do well or not. It's not always Sony. He's saying a specific group of third party. It seems like he's narrowed third party to JRPGs. But that's not his only point, right? So he reached out and yes, Koitecmo, Square Enix... Capcom, right? He's reaching out to Japanese developers, but that j- just because they're a Japanese developer doesn't mean they're making JRPGs. He's reaching out to companies that make more than JRPGs. They're just Japanese developers. They make all kinds of games that don't end up on the platform. And then he goes down, and it, because he's talking about Legend of Mana, not landing, one of his favorite games, it overlooked Xbox, and because it overlooked Xbox, he wanted clarity on this. I publicly joked about Legend of Mana, one of my favorite games of all time, overlooking Xbox, being the catalyst for my unending quest for third-party clarity. In my search, I've encountered many passionate industry advocates doing their best to shed some light on the situation. Unfortunately, despite my best efforts and active investigations, I still need definitive answers to provide discouraged Xbox players comes down here and then he mentions uh he like he brings in a lot of elements he brings in porting costs about how reports indicate a small indie port is a three to six month build so that's going to delay your launch if you're trying to add another platform and around fifty thousand dollars okay and this timeline obviously dramatically increases with complex triple a releases now He pushes back on the notion that certain publishers hate Xbox. He's not buying into that mentality. He isn't. He's like, no, that's not a thing. He doesn't think that that's a thing, and I tend to agree with him. The Square Enix relationship isn't that they don't like Xbox. It's that they have a long-standing relationship with Sony, and obviously their games do very well on Sony because it's an Asian market foothold, right? As a gamer who plays on both, none of these games mean a thing to me. The thing to consider, okay, the thing to consider though, Jake, is the Japanese market of game development as well as Asian consumers that look for those Japanese games and Western gamers who look to play those games, it's a pretty big market. It's a a pretty big market of games to be like, we just don't land on the Xbox. And I believe that Phil Spencer sees that as potential for growth. He's made comments recently about this. They would like to increase their presence and their relationship with Japanese developers. I believe they're aware of what this guy's talking about. There's a pretty giant subset of third-party games that are skipping. He's not saying, we don't have any third-party games. He's saying, there are lots of third-party games skipping out here. We're looking at, he's looking at global releases not landing on Xbox and saying, what is the deal here? What's going on? Why would this be happening? And again, there does seem to be a trend. Then he points to the the Shovel Knight situation. I, I don't think you can ignore the Shovel Knight sales situation and not think that even indie titles are looking at this and saying, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. Vampire Survivors, is it on PlayStation? I'm not sure. Uh, it, with with ID at Xbox, Xbox has really good relationships with indie indie developers, so they might have reached out and helped them get that on the Xbox Series X and S. That's a good win for Vampire Survivors, but it not being on PlayStation is not some kind of a dunk. That's like a little indie title that came out of nowhere. I guarantee you they're already in talks. Look at what happened with Death's Door. Death's Door sold 100,000 copies on Steam its opening week, and then I think it was six months later it started showing up on other platforms. Like, it's not unusual for games like that to not have multiple builds out there, and then they slowly start, you know, stretching as they grow. Just like Shovel Knight? I'm not sure what you're saying, just like Shovel Knight. This, this has to be considered in the equation. This has to be considered in the equation. You have a game like Shovel Knight that sold 2 million units and less than 5% of those total sales were on Xbox. So there's like, think about it from this perspective. Right now, if you're a gaming platform, do you want large swaths and sections of the gaming world that are like, we don't do well on your platform? Now, obviously, the Nintendo Switch has its own barrier of entry for certain games, right? Oh, yeah, no. If you're a really demanding game, you're probably not going to do that well over here. We'll have to figure out how to make your game run cloud. So certainly, sometimes, your platform will be limited. Thank you, uh, Nara, for the $2 tip. Octopath Traveler isn't on PlayStation, but the sequel will. Specific examples aren't helpful. We're not talking about Xboxes if they don't have third party. Like, you don't need to add up all the third party games that it has. You need to consider why third party games skip. What's the reason? Can Microsoft figure out how to build that bridge? Because that would be really important for their future. To say, we're missing this section of the market. Look at the Series X and how strong it is, and tell me that you don't think it should have as many games as possible. It should have as many games in the market as possible. The Series S has done quite well, and they even had reports coming out recently that the Series S saw an uptick of sales in the Asian market. I think affordability and availability helped it, right? Now, imagine being in the Asian market, buying a Series S, and seeing JRPG after JRPG overlooking the platform. Don't you think that poses a problem for them attempting to break into that market successfully? Imagine if you bought, um, well, let's just say for the first time in your life, you buy a PlayStation game. And a bunch of Western developers just keep skipping it. As a Westerner, you'd be like, what the frick, man? Like, what? Why can't I get these games? You have to think think of it that think of it from that perspective. If they're wanting to break into some of these markets and have more success, figuring out why certain third parties are just like, yeah, we're not going over there. None of these companies are going to be able to have every single game on them. Whoever pays the most isn't the only factor that goes into where it goes. Space Dovahkiin with a $2 tip. Why do people think devs put games for free on Game Pass? Well, I mean, the reason is pretty simple. Microsoft cuts a check. Microsoft writes a check and says, here is, here's a bunch of money. 
You make a statement, I ask for examples, and you give none. Mantis, I don't know why you're continuing to ask Eugene for examples of games that have skipped Xbox. I read through a list. And if you if you think Final Fantasy is just like a, shru- a thing to shrug at, I, I don't think it's a thing to shrug at. The Final Fantasy franchise skipping Xbox potentially yet again with their remaster, that's a pretty big deal. Like... I'm not saying that's the end of the platform. You've got to figure out. Sony's paying for it? Doubt. I doubt Sony's paying for that. It's landing on Nintendo, Paul. So what you're saying is ludicrous. When have you ever seen Sony pay for exclusivity of a game that also lands on on Nintendo? I was, I, I was talking about the remaster. I wasn't talking about Final Fantasy 16. I didn't say Final Fantasy 16. I said the remaster. Oh, no, yes. No doubt in my mind, Final Fantasy 16, Sony and Square are like, they're buddies, man. They've got a history. Of course they're paying for that exclusivity. It's it's almost at some level, and it's not endemic to their platform, but it's very much associated with their platform at this point. You know, Final Fantasy titles and Sony go together like peanut butter and jelly. Like, that's just a match. Like, they... They're not going to want to let that be anywhere else. I, That is different. Trying to dissect and analyze why a title misses out on Xbox when Sony's writing a check is not really... In, 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 that's not really worth examining. What's What this guy tried to do was, I think the most telling part of this article is that he was trying to get answers and people didn't want to speak on the record. Do you know what I'm saying? When he talked, this right here, I think, I'm telling you, I'm not reading, I am not reading between the lines here. I think that that there are people that are hesitant to talk about this. Let me find his direct quote. Two dollar, two spot from Narift. I only mentioned it because it's a Square Enix game. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for being here this morning. Strong turnout. People are keeping it pretty civil and pretty calm. Having a bit of a discussion about Xbox has no third-party games. Essentially, what this guy's arguing is major third-party games keep skipping the Xbox. Not all. I'm not trying to act like they have none, right? We're obviously asking the question because of this guy's article. That was the catalyst for this discussion. If you've enjoyed the discussion so far, do me a favor. Consider pressing the like button. That doesn't cost you anything. Hit subscribe. That's also free. That enables you to talk in my chat. If you'd like to support the channel directly, consider becoming a member. You get into all of our extra content. uh, And the more often you watch, you might get a gifted member. Now, he talked about this in in a section here. And he said that he wanted it was he had to talk off the record with people. No, that's not. That's I'm I'm control effing on my word document. Hang on. Yeah, right here. Okay, hang on a second. Space Dova King with a two spot. Nintendo is in competition per FTC and PlayStation. Yeah, but you I don't think you're gonna be able to find an example of Sony paying for exclusivity and it landing on the Nintendo Switch. So you're what you're saying is not an answer. I don't care what the FTC and the PlayStation have said in those debates and discussions. That's not that's not bearing on what my, my point was. My point was there is I, I highly doubt, I highly doubt Sony paid for exclusivity for the Final Fantasy remaster and they're letting it land on Nintendo. That that that's counterproductive. 
So right here, I have also spoken to numerous industry professionals familiar with business dynamics of ports and platform viability off the record in hopes of obtaining further insights. Why is he needing to go off the record with people? That doesn't, what's the concern? What's the worry? And later on, later on down here, he says, uh, duh, 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 right here, this paragraph. To respect the wishes of individuals I've spoken to about the situation, I won't share official quotes and comments. I, this right here, what's going on? that no one wants to talk about porting costs on the record. He's got to go off the record with people to get them to talk to him. And then when he gets info and intel, he can't directly quote them. And then if you read this paragraph, he says, a common theme tendered during my industry outreach was intricacy. The explanations many fans and pundits supply lack a universal third-party support doesn't often represent the delicate nuance. So he's like, listen, don't listen to the fans and the pundits. And now he's saying, this is really the reality. This is what's going on. Financial goals, platform expectations, and unpredictable human element are likely candidates for this corporate conundrum. It's NDAs. He's a drama mama. So you think this guy is farming, he's farming drama, writing for Windows Central... His name is Miles. And he's done articles like Upcoming Horror Games for 2023. Dwayne The Rock Johnson's now in multiverses. We'll see if thieves ever fully cater for PvE fans who hate PvP 17 days ago. I already like this guy. Major changes to Sea of Thieves. Vampire Survivors. Five tricks you need to know. Gears of War movie is finally real. JRPG franchises we want on Xbox. This this guy writes this guy writes pro Microsoft stuff. Halo Infinite winter update brings major nerfs and buffs. He's he's a Microsoft Xbox platform in like he he gives out good information and coverage of their platform. He's not farming drama. Preacher says option 1, take a check from Microsoft and watch them give your game away for free on their platform. Option two, take a check from Sony and sell your game on their platform. Even if this is true, isn't it kind of a no-brainer? That makes it really tough. AO, uh, AOSZ says, uh, with a five-month renewal and a VIP gold, my man, it's the same reason COD won't go exclusive for PlayStation. Final Fantasy goes exclusive because it makes financial sense to skip the poor-performing JRPG market on the Xbox. Otherwise, they wouldn't take any exclusive, uh, exclusive deals. Robert Jones with a $5 tip through Super Chat. Sony doesn't have to pay to keep Western games off the Xbox. Sony and Nintendo have a long history of Western games before Xbox was a thing. I'm not sure the point that you're making, Robert. He writes for Windows Central. No, duh, he pro Xbox. That's what I'm saying. Like, the idea that he's trying to farm drama here to be like, this is a third-party problem is essentially what he's saying, right? he's He's not saying that this is the end of the world. He's not saying that we, 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 we can't get a single third-party game. He's saying there are realities at play here that are leading third-party games to skip this platform, and I want to know why. 
What's the reason? Back in the PS3 360 era, if I wanted JRPG uh, was on Sony, it was known. Aside from paying for timed exclusives for games they are aiding development in, advertising, promotion in, and funding, from the JRPG side of things, Japan as a whole favors their platforms. I root for all platforms, no favoritism here. Yeah, I'm not... I, this is not a teardown hit piece. Oh, do I need him to list every game out of hundreds? What do you mean? Out of all the JRPGs that he wants? This is not a hit piece. We saw this article and thought, that's an interesting discussion, because I think there's a lot of moving parts. I think when he gets into porting costs... I think we have to consider that in the grand scheme of Series S. This is a drum I'm going to continue to bang on. Reports indicate that smaller scale indie ports can take three to six months to build and typically start at around $50,000. This timeline and the financial investments dramatically increase regarding complex AAA releases. And guess what compounds that investment and that timeline? You are not just developing for the Series X. You have to develop for two systems. Tell me I'm wrong and and that the Series S isn't a problem and it's not weak. Fine, I'll grant your point. But that still means if you bring your game to Xbox in this current generation, you have to port your game to two systems specs. We don't even need to get into, you know, is Lono right or wrong about the weakness of the Series S being an ongoing problem for Xbox. You don't even have to acknowledge that as a reality. It's funny you made this headline while High on Life is topping the charts. That's This, this is not about third-party games doing well or not doing well on the platform. It's about the fact that there are lots of third-party games skipping the platform. I'll bite. Yes, Sony is paying to keep games off of Xbox. It makes no sense for any game to skip a platform unless a contract is making it so. Porting costs are nothing when dealing with business. What do you mean porting costs are nothing when dealing with business? Think of it this way, Joker. If it takes three to six months for an indie title to port their game to a platform, right? At around $50,000... From the reports that he's citing here you have to consider something let's say you take an extra year to port your game to xbox that extra year is you waiting longer to release your game there's the coffee there do we have any coffee orders yet who wants to be the first coffee order of the day hey it's already there it was waiting for me my man aaron crabtree buying a light bag and a frickmas bag guys Let's get the coffee orders and the members going. So, you take that extra year. You're not just spending money. You're not just spending money. You're pushing back the... You're you're pushing back the launch of your game. You like the coffee placement? Yeah, it's right there in the scene. You're pushing back the launch of your game. 
So you you have to weigh that. It it's not as simple as we'll make the money back. He he talks about that in the next paragraph right here. And some of you might be thinking, well, they can just make up those costs with increased sales on the new platform. Theoretically, that is possible reality. However, developers and publishers have to weigh the financial risks associated with these ports. The critically and commercially acclaimed indie darling Shovel Knight infamously performed disappointingly on Xbox. When Yacht Club Games celebrated its 2 million unit milestone in 2018, a pie chart showed Xbox version sitting at less than 5% of total sales. So out of 2 million units, Microsoft didn't even make up 100,000. Less than 5%. They didn't even make up 100,000 sales. Series S is fine. Stop complaining. I love how you couch my concern and, and and dialogue about it is complaining. It's it's I, I, I get what you're doing, right? You passively couch what I'm saying in a dismissive sort of condescending way. Like this guy's just complaining. W- what am I complaining about? I have every system in existence. You think I really give a frick about the Series S? Oh no! The Series S performance is struggling. I really gotta complain about that. As I do what? Not own one? I I don't give a rip how that thing performs. It's concerning for that platform's future because it's attached to the Series X. And I own a Series X. Lona, look at what devices Shovel Knight released for. It only have one console for Xbox, but two or three for Sony and Nintendo. Okay. Are are you are you adding to my argument, Robert? <laughs> like you you understand the undercurrent of what you're saying, right, Robert? That Nintendo and Sony have more consoles in circulation, right? Devs are too lazy and whiny for the Series S. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really always the devs' fault, always. Yeah. It's the devs' fault, man. They're just lazy and whiny. You know, in a, in a world known for crunch culture, overworking their employees, people needing to take, you know, actual mental health breaks from stress, lack of sleep, lack of probably healthy eating and work life balance that is so far reaching that some people are trying to unionize in the actual gaming industry. Crunch is a myth. <laughs> people like you entertain me because. I like laughing at stupidity. Like, it makes me laugh. Crunch is a myth. (laughs) Yeah. It's a myth. Yeah. Virtually, virtually every major game that's released in like the last 10 years has had exposés and anonymous sources coming out and talking about, bro, it's unbelievable. They're just lazy, bro. Come on. I... I don't even think it's worth engaging with you because I've never seen you here before and your bait game is weaker than your intellect. So I'm moving on. The issue with total quantity of sales with which which Robert's saying, well, 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 the, the you know, Shovel Knight landed on more more platforms, right? Shovel Knight landed on more platforms. You know, I it, it, of course it's going to sell more. Da, 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 da. The undercurrent to what you're saying, though. Robert is that that's part of the equation 
if you're looking at the Nintendo Switch and then you're looking at the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5 market saturation and then you're looking at the Xbox of course you're going to consider that my gosh they they didn't sell very many games over there and they don't have that many you know consoles in circulation and then add on top of that add on top of that 25 million people in that funnel are expecting the game to land on Game Pass. So, if you look at the success or the lack of presence of third-party games on Xbox, like, oh man, High on Life is crushing it right now. Okay, great. High on Life really captured a lot of people's attentions in the, in the summer. I think they did a good job marketing it, and it's doing well commercially. And then y- y- here here it comes on um, here it comes on Xbox and it's doing well there too. Okay, yeah, I, I would expect that. That's sort of bare minimum response, is it not? That a commercially successful game is doing well on the Xbox. Oh, oh okay. Crunch is basically a pillar of capitalism. I would love to break down how bankrupt that is if you actually study, like, capitalistic economics. I mean, I know you might be looking at Western capitalistic economics as opposed to the actual tenets of it or, like, John Locke's theory of labor or Thomas Sowell's, like, basic economics. You, not That's not true. It's not true. But we don't have time for that. We're not talking about that. Thank you for the $5 tip, Doom. It's sad, Lono. I don't think you will have a positive Xbox stream for the rest of this generation. They're struggling and won't change for years. Thank you, Doom, for the $5 tip. If they worked harder the first couple of years, they wouldn't need crunch. Yeah. Yeah, SJW's made crunch a thing. It's called work to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, my dad's one of the hardest working people I know. And many of my uncles I would put in a similar category. And you know what's amazing about all these men, these hardworking men who have stayed at jobs and did the work and did the dirty work. You know what's crazy? My dad's never had to sleep at the office. My dad's never had to put in, like, I don't know, six months of 80-hour work weeks where he doesn't even get to go home most of the time. He's never had to do that. One of the hardest working men I know. He's worked the same job. Just just a man of, of, of loyalty, integrity, and hard work ethic. And it's just, it's just amazing that you think that that's, that's work. Yeah, uh-huh. Life is crunch. Stop crying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I bet all the pro crunch people typing on their tech device. I I, I bet you're all working eighty hour work weeks where you sleep at the office. Mm-hmm. Your dad never made a gaming masterpiece either. <laughs> That's an amazing goalpost shift. That's amazing. As everyone arguing in favor of crunch is an intellectually bankrupt, ignorant person, 
it's it's not surprising to me that when it's difficult to substantiate your position because the reality of workforce labor not being rhythmically built around 80 hour work weeks and sleeping at the office because that's what came out about crunch because you're ignorant and you don't know what you're talking about you're just going to shift the goalposts and say oh but he never made a gaming masterpiece See, that's what that's what greatness requires of us is to sacrifice human value and integrity and treating people with respect that's that's right as you ignorantly and stupidly defend crunch because you don't know what you're talking about and you get slapped around like a dum-dum let's just move the goalposts yeah oh you if we're gonna make gaming masterpieces sure Thank you for seven months, T. Grim. I I'm always entertained by ignorant people speaking strongly. It's I it's it's very entertaining. It really, really is. Very entertaining. Like like the guy who's on some other wavelength of existence, shouting how the world's ending. Uh huh. It's a joke. Oh. Crunch non-believers are silver spoon children that never worked. I'm in the UK, 80-hour work weeks, rest of a struggle. I work 68 hours a week, been doing it for seven years. Trust me, it sucks. Here's the other elements to, to crunch and defending crunch that's funny to me. Is this is a this is a weird mentality. So imagine growing up in a culture where children are forced to work in terrible conditions and they experience uh, problems with development of their musculature and they end up not sort of flourishing and they sort of stay in this weakened state. But they push through, right? They push through and they, they, they survive, right? Imagine one of those people turning around and seeing others treated that way and be like, well, I did it, so therefore it's fine. You would say, well, that's ludicrous. Just because you've done it, just because you've endured it, doesn't mean it's okay or it's fine. Like, if, if, if you've accepted that level of treatment, good for you, right? Your strength and resolve at one level is admirable, but at another level, like looking at people saying i i've i've not been able to go home i've been sleeping at the office like i'm so stretched and so overworked that i had a mental breakdown right you're just lazy right you're somebody that i wouldn't want to be friends with is what i would say also let's speak pragmatically since we have a lot of stupid people here let's educate them Let's speak pragmatically. Virtually all research indicates at this point when it comes to development, the development of software or video games, there is a depreciating return that you get from somebody working too long. You get you get worse work from them. You get shoddy work. Okay? So as they work longer and longer and longer, what ends up happening is you actually get less quality work which has a reverberation in the efficiency of the company because then what requires is we have to double check more work and go back and retread things more often 
debugging, quality assurance, bug squashing. Somebody made a mistake, right? This, this has been proven in multiple research projects on this subject that you actually don't want to overwork people. You actually don't want to do crunch because what you end up doing is it's like spinning your tires on a muddy hill, right? It might, it's like you're spinning your tires on a muddy hill. You just start sliding backwards. Come on, if we just keep throwing human bodies at this, we'll get this game out the door. And you know what's funny to me is all you ignoramuses in my chat defending Crunch, you're the same ranting, raging dum-dums that are like, all we get are broken games. They launch these broken games and they're bad. Do you think, maybe, 10 years or more of crunch culture and throwing humanity at a project, I don't know, maybe it's not an effective way to develop a game. Maybe it's inefficient. Maybe you're stupid. So, no. I don't think you can, you can substantiate crunch pragmatically. You certainly can't do it philosophically. And I don't even think you could do it with just a shred of humanity. I don't think you could. I don't think you could. The the simplistic platitudinous faux masculinity of like, crunch is called work, bro. Oh, shut up. Shut up. You're n- no one's impressed. No one's impressed. We all put a bunch of hours in. Like wait, wait. You think you're you think you're special? Like co- get over yourself. Get over yourself. Don't come in here and and be pro crunch and act like that's called work. No, it's not. It's called inefficient misuse of resources is what it is. Because your people that work for you are a resource. And if you mistreat the resource, you're going to get bad results. You you could drive your car like an absolute moron and be like, well, where where I'm from, that's just driving. Really? You're not going to have a clutch in about 10 years. You're going to burn that thing out. Your alignment's going to be terrible. Your tires are going to be bald. You're mistreating the vehicle. I work 80 hours a week, spend many nights at the office, miss my family's and friends' important moments, but I'm a hard worker unlike (laughs) y'all. You change your oil, you're an effing casual. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's those SJWs that, that are convincing you to change your oil in your car. Where I'm from, that car should just be able to drive. <laughs> Funny thing about burnout, it takes years to recover. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you could talk about that too. You could talk about the depreciating returns of the workforce. When you overwork people, you're, you're, you're abusing your talent as well. You know, how are they going to come? Are they going to, are they going to go work somewhere else? Are they going to, are they going to, are they going to be hired anywhere else?
I'm crunchier than a crunchy roll dropped in wet gravel on winter's day. Yeah. Listen. The crunch subject is... I, I, I get activated by it. I do. Because I put in more hours than I should. I do. And I, and I work later than I should. And it messes with me. And it affects my life in a super negative way. And I can't imagine that being out of my control and it feeling forced on me and me feeling like I had no way out of it, right? Because I'll be honest with you, for about two years, I have felt that way. There's no way out of this. This is my only option to provide for my family is to break my back and my brain and just push through. And so obviously people are like, yeah, crunches just work. They're just lazy. No, that isn't true. I don't want to turn around and be 65 and be like, well, I missed every recital and ball game and my brain's fried, but I worked hard. That's garbage. And so, and, and also, what I go through is nothing compared to the things that I've read. I, ha- I, I have read the the interviews and the articles about this and what these people have gone through in these environments it is, it is, it is absolutely on the line of abuse, and it's like, well, but you're going to call that work? If you're an entrepreneur, it kind of comes with the territory. Yeah, this being probably my third business that I've run. Third, yes, you throw everything at it that you have. Every every ounce of energy. Every drop of blood you've got, you throw at it. But it's mine. And see, that's the difference. It's like, you've got people put in these situations, and you want to go, well, that's just work. No, it's not. No, it's not. Even if you purely break it down to mathematics and pragmatics, you're wrong, woefully wrong, about how it's it's not even effective. An entrepreneur can dictate their own work conditions in TOS. It's different. Yes, like if I'm starving and need to use the restroom, I go eat something and go to the bathroom, right? And in inhumane environments and mistreatment of people, you know, that's work. Remember what I've said in the past about we project ourselves onto others. If you see lazy people everywhere, I'm willing to bet you're a lazy person. <laughs> Major difference when Lono reaps all the rewards of his labor input. That's right. That's another difference. Like, I keep convincing myself this isn't Sisyphus. I'm going to get the rock to the top, and it's going to roll down the other side. And me and my family and my children will reap the benefits of me breaking my back. Like, they will reap those benefits. I can't imagine frying myself for a video game that then gets pushed out too early and everyone says the devs are lazy. They're lying in a pool of drool and and like I barely made it through that and now the game needs patched and it's not running well and 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 and, and people are out here saying oh yeah, it's this lazy devs. That's a definite toxicity. Well, I worked until I had PTSD, so other people shouldn't complain. Like, what? What part of suffering taught you that it's good for others? Oh my gosh. What a scalpel of a question. Laser beam on the bullseye. 
what part of suffering taught you that it's good for others? That's so much better than the analogy I gave. The last statement makes me think of Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, imagine throwing yourself at Mass Effect Andromeda and watching what happened to that game. That's That's got to be devastating. How demoralizing that must be to just throw just blood and treasure at something. Just throw everything at a project and it just doesn't work. That's got to be off. Well, I know how. I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. I have firsthand experience with with throwing everything I've got at something and just watching it watching it burn up, you know. And so I empathize I empathize big time, big time with with devs and crunch culture. You know? It's it's man, that 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 is absolutely destructive to a person if they don't have checks and balances to put, like to put a stop to it and be like, okay. Happens at least twice a year. Yeah, you kill yourself for months and then you're embarrassed to say you worked on that game. Right. One of the biggest issues is when crunch becomes mandatory or is normalized. It happens with my work a lot. Sometimes you're in the zone, having fun, and you're on a roll, and you put yourself in long nights. Other times, a project or rollout requires long nights or weekends. Those are okay. It's when management resets the bar and those efforts become the new normal, and goals and metrics are redefined based on that. Suede, there is there is some disturbing, there's some disturbing commentary on where that comes from. I don't, we can't get into it, but the origin of saying your production increased, that's now the expectation. It's origin isn't a work is not a willing workforce. I'll just say that if you study the origin of that, that way of treating people of saying, Hey, we were asking you to get 10 sales and you got 15 sales you now have to hit 15 sales. The origin of that is not a willing workforce. So you have got to get underneath some of this stuff. You have got to get underneath some of this stuff and stop acting like crunch is work or treating people in that way. They're just lazy and whiny and oh, SJWs are the only reason we, we, we think in the realms of crunch. Okay. I think it's sad when people get to a point in their life where they have virtually no empathy for their for their for their fellow man. What's the outcome? What stops it? Unions? I'm not sure there's enough devs. The crunch disappears. I'm anti-crunch all the way. We are well off topic. Um If though if you're just tuning in and you're like, why are you talking crunch? I was looking at an article talking about third-party games that are skipping the Xbox, right? And the work that goes into it. And one of the elements that the guy talked about in the article, here's the article right here. Uh, Xbox has a complicated third-party problem. You know, why are major third-party games constantly skipping the Xbox, okay? One of the things he brought up was porting games to other platforms, delaying the game's launch and costing money and requiring more work, right? And somebody brought up Crunch. Because... The reason they brought up Crunch is someone said, well, these devs are just lazy, right? They're just lazy. 
they they don't want to build the game or do the work or whatever right and the issue that I have with that is that's such a juvenile bumper sticker understanding of the situation that's not an informed like mature wise take it's just juvenile they're just busy okay tell me you haven't thought about this for more than the five seconds it took you to type that without telling me you haven't thought about this like if you really think about this if you really examine why a company would or wouldn't do a bunch of extra work and development time it isn't laziness it's it's a it's a cost risk assessment like we're going to spend this much potentially make this much back do we do it or not it's 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 quite literally a lot of the times a math equation like <laughs> what's it going to cost us this much best case scenario how much do we make this much don't do it you see what i'm saying like how much is it going to cost us this much how often is that going to interfere with foosball and uh, sitting in the break room and eating pizza? Oh, it's going to, yeah, we're not going to be able to do that anymore. Well, we're pretty lazy here, so let's just not do it. <laughs> Say that the people who see it as crunch are absolutely right is incorrect, because in my experience, the definition of crunch does not suit me. I, I think when you go beyond typical rhythmic work week, okay, that, here, here's what's funny. The word crunch derives from the idea that, like, there's a, there's a temporary time where you crunch down, okay? The, if you did, like, an etymolo- etymological study of the word crunch as a colloquialism in, like, gaming vernacular or, or, or project vernacular, it, it was born out of the idea that, hey, man, it's crunch time. It's time to crunch down. The idea being, this isn't normal. This isn't normative. Crunch culture is the idea of somebody somewhere saying well oh my gosh look at what we did in six months time what if we did that all year round and so calling it crunch is at some levels a disservice to what's actually happening it's not really crunch it's it's basically like workforce abuse you're basically taking your workforce and saying you you live here now whatever it takes and again the dilemma is if you just look at it pragmatically you're not getting good results you're not you're 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 getting you're getting games that just aren't where they should be how many games have come out and we turn around and hear about crunch and we're like my gosh, the game wasn't even that good. The game wasn't even that good. What if we put everyone on 18-month contracts and burn them to a crisp and then replace them? Did the staff say no? Okay, great question, Royal Duck. There's been a handful of developers that have spoken out about that. And they've essentially said that if you try to fight against it, or you refuse to work under those conditions, you will be labeled. 
you won't get picked up for the next project. They'll look at you and say, Lazy. Um, that's crunch time. Oh, that, yeah, I don't know if that's crunch time or unsafe working conditions. There's a lot of moving parts there, Paul. Were they overworked or were they put in unsafe conditions? Probably both. It's probably both and, right? You're working too much so you're tired and make a mistake. You're working in unsafe conditions. Yes, the building of those infrastructures and edifices are... You talk about an analogy. In times past, we would take unwilling participants and throw them into volcanoes to sacrifice them to our our monoliths and our gods. And now we just throw them at the building of a World Cup stadium. Patrick with five months. Thank you so much. The bear got a new pick. I got a new name. No more swer- Swervathin. Just call me Patrick. Well, I, I really appreciate you going to uh, to Patrick. That's much better. <laughs> there are illegal blacklists in the construction industry. Yeah, it'll ha- it one hundred percent happens in the dev industry. Yeah, they talk about you get you basically get blacklisted. You do. You that that that's the thing. People have spoken out about this. They're like, it's it permeates into the culture. And the expectation is, you do this, or do you want to eat and pay your rent? Well, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty... Okay, well, <laughs> get back to work. And I... This isn't about, this is even about Microsoft, by the way. This is about that general culture basically wringing people out like rags and then throwing them to the side. Imagine how much better Red Dead Redemption 2 would have been without Crunch. Well... I don't even know though because if you look at Red Dead Redemption 2 it's like how much better would have been without Crunch it gets challenging because you can't have a game in development forever but you also can't you're not going to get good work from Crunch but you also need to get something out the door under a certain amount of time this is this is an ongoing dilemma in this industry right you have this massive, massive budget in this massive, massive project, and if it's in development too long, it, it, it's 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 massive waste and massive loss, and you 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 can't just shove it out the door. And I think what many people started doing was saying, just crunch down and get it out the door. So what we've what we've got then is a cycle of I wouldn't say Red Dead Redemption is an example of this but you ended up with a cycle pretty rhythmically of like AAA games coming out that were clearly just not ready just n- this thing this thing's not ready Citizen uh, Star Citizen says otherwise yeah see I think th- I, th- I think games like Star Citizen are a look behind the curtain it's like we're getting to see behind the veil of 
this is not as simple as saying just work harder or just spend a bunch of money. That's just, that's not a, I don't know. You know, the period we all look back on is the highlight of the American dream, two cars, white picket fence, single family income, high corporate, the taxes, high taxes on super wealthy and wait. Wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to have that discussion. We're wading into waters that get gets us into territory that I'm not. I don't want to. I don't have. Worked in software development for 20 years, and it's always been the same issue: quality, cost, and time. You can only pick two, and you can't have all three. So generally, people whining about hours to me are just lazy. However, if they are working hard and not being mistreated, I could see that being labeled as crunch and in need of attention. Okay, but here's the thing. It's not about somebody whining about hours. I, like, th- th- I, I generally think many people look at this and like, well, I put in lots of hours too. Okay. Forever? For, f- for six years at a time? For five years at a time? Are there periods in your life where you had to work doubles or two jobs or you were operating on minimal sleep and you, 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 were, you were clocking in 70, 80 hours a week, okay? Did you, have you been doing that for six years? I, I find that to be incredibly unlikely. I, I have severe doubt there's someone in a YouTube chat typing right now. It's like, oh yeah, baby, virtually no sleep. I, I, I'm, I'm, clocking, I'm clocking 70, 80 hours a week. I'm, I'm never, I never see my family. Like, I, I don't think that's normative because that's so life disruptive. Yes, seven days a week. And do you think that that's indicative of the populace at large? Do you think the average person working right now is putting themselves through that? They basically live at the office. Because, well, maybe that is happening. Maybe we're having a larger cultural discussion about why there's a rise in mental health problems and weak immune systems and sick people and and ailments and, and you know, people are losing it. You ever think maybe that might be related? <laughs> you know, well, I just grin down and bear it, you know. And, you know, my dad died of cardiac failure, and I'm probably going to as well. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know, hypertension, high blood pressure, I, you know, all these health ailments. I, I, like, uh, my cardiologist was talking to me about this, and he said that he has commonly seen this happen with people with high blood pressure, because I have high blood pressure. I know that's hard to believe. I'm a pretty laid-back, chill guy. And... He, he said that he has had patients come off of their blood pressure medication when they retire. So your body is so connected to your work and like how much time you put in. Think of the think of the thousands of, of potential ramifications that has. It doesn't affect your blood pressure. What affects your brain? What affects your 
I don't know, anything. Your eating habits, which then affects your weight, which then affects your uh, blood sugar, which then affects, you know what I'm saying? Which then affects your sleep cycles, which then affects your ability to work. You know, it all it all ripples out. Because you have to consider, like, the, the rhythmic nature of your life, when it becomes dissonant and lopsided, what are the results of that? Reforge Rose can make all the difference. That's right. This combo is going in a circle. Hang on. I'm seeing if we have any um, any coffee orders. No. Guys, if you've been enjoying this debate, we've kind of gone all over the place. We were talking about there were re- we, were, we were examining reasons why certain games uh, might be skipping the Xbox ecosystem. We got on to the cost and work and time associated with porting a game, okay, which got us onto crunch. So we need to kind of come back full circle here. Yeah, wire devs skipping the Xbox related to crunch related to cost and work associated with games coming to Xbox this is why we got on the subject this is why we got on the subject is even small scale indies porting to another platform is a 3 to 6 month build at around $50,000 and then you gotta scale and scope that up size of the dev team, size of the game, how much work they have to do. It, that's 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 more money and that's a that's a delayed launch. And we've actually can see this practically right now. We can see this in Hogwarts Legacy. You can see Hogwarts Legacy and how it's landing in a in a staggered fashion. You're you, we're seeing that. So when you look at the Microsoft platform, you look at the Xbox Series X, and you look at the Xbox Series S, you're clearly seeing, I think, a pattern of concern that if you if if you if you want to get your game on their on their system, you're gonna have to delay it. I would think that that number becomes six to twelve easy, six to twelve months to to, to port it to larger games larger workforces you know and when you consider the Xbox Series X it's not that complicated if you've built your game for for PC and PS5 and then you're going to bring it over to the Series X I think that scope of that project is a little bit more sensible it's like here's how long it's going to take here's how much time it's going to take I'm sorry here's how much money it's going to take then you can then you can scope out that project. You basically have two projects whenever you want to port a game to the Xbox ecosystem. You have to port the game to the Series X, and then you have to optimize it for the Series S. And long term, like we had early interviews that indicated, like, oh yeah, Microsoft's going to let you know companies skip the Series S and just go on the X. But when they were making those comments, they were referring to the Xbox One and the Series X. Essentially saying, oh yeah, we'll let people leave behind uh, the Xbox One. And so I, th- this, this equation, this issue with you've got, you've got JRPGs, Japanese developers, and certain game types that just completely skip out on the Xbox ecosystem. 
I don't know if ports cost that much. I, your speculation doesn't doesn't isn't needed. There are reports. He's citing reports here. Okay. Reports indicate that smaller scale indie ports can take three to six months to build. So here's a report from ilogos.biz. What exactly the video game porting is, the process and the costs. So here we have a a breakdown basically of how it works. Let's see if we can get this zoomed in. Okay. So the rewriting, the graphics, there's types of porting, there's going from one technology to another, maybe you're going from one engine to another. Uh, porting to mobile has challenges because you've got different processing powers uh, and then you have a completely different UI and interface because of how people interact with it uh, lower cost right as far as trying to keep it lower than you know final words so basically this you know this report is looking at all of the moving parts of porting a game and how much time can porting take most indie games porting to multiple platforms take up to six months and to port a more complex, larger game, you'll need a year or more, especially if we're talking AAA level. So I was correct that it would be it would be 12 months or more. You would double it, three to six, well up to six, no, double that, a year or more, right? If you want to port a small indie to one platform, though it can be done in three to four months, everything depends on the scale and the work to be done and the number of changes needed to make a game work on another system. Sometimes, even if a game seems to be easy to port, light and without large graphics component porting can still take a long time because quote making a software perform well on new hardware issue and so that's they're referencing something uh, earlier in the article I also think it depends on the kind of game would Final Fantasy Pixel Remake really be that hard when it already when it's already on a Windows PC oh no and of course they're saying like when it said, um, you're not disagreeing with what was said. You're just repackaging it. It said here to port a more complex, larger game, you'll need a year and more. So consider that and the generation of games that we're in, we're we're, we're wanting to enter. Big, huge AAA games, open worlds, playing for thousands of hours, right? Well. That means there's a lot of cost associated with bringing their their game to another platform. Most best soundbars, their headsets suck though. No, they don't. <laughs> you kidding me? These are some of the most comfortable, best sounding noise canceling noise canceling headphones I think I've ever used. What are you talking about? Every single interaction in the game needs to have a button assigned to it. Every controller... Yeah, 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 yeah. Sony has the best headset? I've had Sony. I have had uh, Sennheiser. And I have had Bose. And I prefer Bose. I don't know. Thought you were a Sony fanboy. I'm not saying Bose is better, but you said their you said Bose's headsets suck. Like, oh my gosh, it's pretty strong. Sennheiser best. 
I didn't like the form factor or the comfort factor of Sennheisers. They sounded amazing. I still have them. My 280s are around here somewhere. Steel Series is my favorite. I wouldn't mind working with Steel Series as a as a sponsor. It'd be great to have a headphone uh, headphone sponsor. I don't think Bose works with um, with YouTubers though. They're a pretty big company. So, with 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 the with the multiple layers here involved in bringing games to the Xbox, it's not surprising. Think of how many things they have to kind of check off when they're wanting to bring a game to the Xbox. Okay, they're going to examine uh, market research, right? Let's look at market research. How well is our game going to do over there? Let's say it checks that box. Oh, it'll do pretty good over there. Okay, next thing that you have to check. Does Microsoft want to put it on Game Pass? Is our game conducive to Game Pass? How much money is Xbox willing to pay us to put the game on Game Pass? And let's say you come to an amicable and mutually beneficial agreement with Microsoft. So you check that box, all right? Now... You have more boxes to check. How much is it going to cost us to port this game to the Series X? How much time? How much energy? How many people? What's this going to do to our market date? We want to bring this thing to market, porting it to Xbox. What's it going to do to our market date? Okay? That works. All right? Last and final question. How much are we going to have to do to optimize this for the Series S? Okay. That, I think, is the issue. You, you have to go through all those checks. You have to go through all those things to get to, yep, let's put, it, let's put our game on the Xbox. You guys are still... Debating Corey. Don't see how you can make the claim of unhealthy if I'm not under any undue stress. I'm happy. I'm not hurting anyone or myself. Feels like you're projecting your work style on me. Derek says, the only reason I went down that path is because you insisted that your individual experience was somehow instructive for the general topic. Better say JK dog talking about Turtle Beach. What did Greg say? Turtle Beach is the best. JK, JK, don't hurt me. Really said that the way I work is not how everyone needs to work. I didn't get to track the argument, Corey, but my general understanding of the people that were citing their own experience seemed to be basically saying, well, I'm doing it. What's the big deal? This is work. These people are lazy. Right, etc. Is is that that's that's generally what it felt like? I'm not saying that's what you were saying. Crisis Core just released on Xbox and it has the lowest sales percentage at six percent. If you want to get more games from those studios, it's a simple concept: just buy the games. John Baptiste, where did you get that sales figure from? Because that that lines up with the Shovel Knight sales figures. So Crisis Core just released on the Xbox and it has the lowest sales percentage at six percent. Did they put it on Game Pass or was it was it purchase only? Oh, are those the UK sales numbers? Those might be the UK physical sales numbers. 
Are Turtle Beach headphones that bad? They've yeah, they're notorious for not being very good. Yes. UK charts physical. Okay. Yeah, I would want to see. I'd want to see the 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 global results, but I mean, listen, UK charts physical. That. That's indicative of market response, is it not? Like, I don't know. I'm not saying that's representative of the market at whole, as a whole, but let's look at it another way. If you went to the UK physical sales charts of Crisis Core and it was booming for the Xbox, try to tell me you wouldn't be in here saying, you wouldn't be using that as, oh yeah, look, look, Lono. Crisis Core is crushing it, UK physical sales. If you're going to use it when it does well as an as an indication of success, then you also have to look at it doing poorly as an indication of like yeah, maybe it didn't do that well. Not when 70 to 80% is digital on Xbox. Where are you getting that figure? Where are you getting that figure? 70 to 80% of purchases are digital on Xbox. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has seen a bit of a bump, climbing up to the second place thanks to a 13% increase in sales from the previous week. Meanwhile, the recently released Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion has debuted in the charts at number 8, with 70% of its sales coming on the PS5, 12% each on PS4 and Switch, and 6% on Xbox. That's physical, but digital will hit today, says Eugene. I believe that you love those headphones, but I also know that most Bose products are overpriced marketing. Do you want to know the main reason I got these? I tried these on in a store, and they are so light and so comfortable, and the minute you turn on noise cancellation, it's just phenomenal. I looked at a lot of the other noise-canceling headphones. They were heavier. They were bulkier. They were bigger. I thought for the price, comfort, and I'm not kidding you, they're light. That's what sold me on these. Like airplanes, sitting here talking to you guys. So, so light. And my S, uh, my Sennheisers are heavy and like bulky. Almost 90% of the market revenue is digital. Oh, I wasn't questioning that, Wheezy. I know that digital is the greater lion's share of purchase at this point. M- most people have moved... Uh, the digital I was asking where he got that figure like do we know the exact percentage of uh, of Xbox digital because 70 to 80 doesn't sound right to me I would look at I would think that Xbox would be 90 but again that doesn't mean that the physical sales are not indicative of market response do you know what I'm saying I would, I would, I would look at that. That I would look at the physical breakdown of Crisis Core and say that's indicative of market response. You'll probably see a similar breakdown when you look at the digital sales. More people probably bought Crisis Core on the Switch and the PlayStation versus Xbox. I don't think you're suddenly going to be like, well, when we account digital, uh, Xbox has a ton more. I got this too dark. Hang on a second. That's better. I was in a dadgum cave in that scene. Yeah, that has more lighting parody.
I wasn't questioning what Mo said because I doubt the rise of digital and the decline of physical. I know that. I've argued that before with people. I had people arguing with me that that wasn't true at one point. That's I I I readily I know that. I wasn't debating that. I was asking where he got that figure. And the other question I have is even if we account for the fact that more people buy things digitally, the market responded and bought Crisis Core, and this is how the pie broke down, right? 70-26% or whatever the numbers were. I I don't think once we look at digital sales, you're suddenly going to be like, oh, Xbox had a resounding result. I have toned the article like 80% of Sony sales are digital but when you remove digital only games it's pretty close to even split says Eugene you can be competitive with game prices if you use both physical and digital sometimes you can catch a game cheaper in GameStop used sometimes you can get a better deal digitally during sales I mean Eugene is saying that if you remove digital only games it's an even split I feel like he might have been one of the people that debated me this d- debated this with me when I was like, "Nah, dude, everybody's moving to digital. Physical sales are on a decline." Right? And I, I think Eugene might have been the one that disagreed with me and was like, "No, actually, you'd be shocked at how physical sales are still consistently lock in step with digital for a lot of games." Because I I I, I, rem- I remember I, I'm I'm remembering this debate, and I don't know what we were talking about. That's changing the entire market. I mean, even if we grant Eugene's point, I think Eugene would concede that physical sales are going to keep declining. They're not going I don't think they'll stay where they are. I don't think he would argue that physical sales are going to stay statically, you know, as as a good percentage of sales. They're going to continue to go down. It's just more convenient. Convenience always is going to drive market shift. It affects how we buy food and clothing. My friend buys physical because he almost always trades games in. Yeah, because physical games are declining. Yes, it's both and, right, Eugene? Like, I mean, the the people making the games are probably producing less or caring about it less. Tina took months to release physical. Yeah, it's that's that's one hundred percent a coming reality. Guys, do me a favor. If you've been enjoying this show, you may have noticed I've not run a single advertisement. I can click a button and it'll run an ad, and I don't do that. Live streams live off of memberships, and a membership is five bucks a month. You get into all my extra content. Consider clicking the join button. Consider gifting some members and help us get to the daily goal of 25. If we hit that, I gift five members as a thank you. The more often you're here, the more likely you'll get one of those. Uh, We would ask regular viewers and listeners if they can pick up your own membership but if you can't afford a membership how often you're here is what dictates you getting that do all of the free things smash like hit subscribe those things also help out the channel and video and they don't cost a thing they're just a click of a button help us get to that next uh, like milestone as we discuss this environmental pressures will possibly be brought to bear on physical sales in the future Maybe in the way of plastic. The future is coming. I suspect there are people in this chat 
who weren't even born last time I bought a music CD. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. I remember my first album. Yeah, my first CD. I remember that. I was in. It was in like nineteen ninety eight. Uh, what was that? <laughs> what year did that come out? Nineteen ninety seven, not nineteen ninety eight. I had the year wrong. Sorry. Ninety seven. First album. We can't talk music. That'll get us way way off topic. We're already we're already losing folks because we're not talking about the subject. Global sales data shows that physical copies are still consistently outselling digital games, with physical games accounting for 51% more sold copies than digital downloads over the course of the PS5's first 10 months in the market. This trend of purchasing physical over digital has only skewed more in favor of physical games as more gamers are able to get their hands on a PS5, with November 2020 showing less physical sales for August 2021, found a boom in physical sales. Digital titles saw a noticeable increase in sales between December and January, but physical titles are still overall outperforming digital ones on the PS5. That's on the PS5, though. I don't know. Is that indicative of the market as a whole? Nintendo Switch? Are people buying those? Are people buying physical in the Nintendo Switch market? I wonder. I don't... I've got... I think I own two physical games on my Switch. I'm not saying I'm indicative of the market. I'm just curious what others are doing. It's indicative of markets where physical is still being made. You buy physical Switch games? My uh, my nephews do, Christina. When I was at their house, I, I was like, oh my gosh, look how many Switch cartridges you guys have. Easy for my boys to share games. Yeah, they were able just to move the discs back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big games on Switch I prefer due to storage limitations. That's true. It helps. That helps with that. That is true. Yo, what's good, Dan23? How are you? Kids like the tactile experience, too. All my physical copies were bought for me, says Gorthysis. That being said, I bought Returnal secondhand physical last week. Oh, what a great game. What a, what just what what a great game! Oh, I forgot to do the white balance on this camera. If I push a button, it locks in the white balance. The price of Switch games also stays higher, uh, so you can get more on a resale. That's true. That's true. If you have more than one Switch, you're better off with physical. Yeah, yeah. My nephews have a Switch and a Switch Lite, so it makes it easy for them to, like, pop the games back and forth. Y'all have a Walkman? Yeah, I had a Sony Walkman back in the day. Yep. Built-in radio. Had a built-in radio. It was dope. It was a dope little game. Uh, dope little, uh, dope little handheld music device. Yo, seven months of membership from a man, Jay White. Thank you for jumping back in. Appreciate that very much. Guys, every day when I break for lunch, I take members with me and we do segments. So today's today will be new trailer Tuesdays. We look at a bunch of new trailers. My second stream today this afternoon will be about will be about Blue Protocol. And is it a gotcha game? That'll be a fun one. 
But if you're not a member and you want to stay with us for the lunch break, uh, make sure and become one. Uh, if you guys want to bring a bunch of people with us, now's a great time to do this as we sort of enter the final 30 to 40 minutes of the stream. Yeah, I had a Zoom. Yep. I loved it. It was so much cheaper than an iPod, and I can store so much music. It was like a mini hard drive. I had the bigger one. I didn't have that slim one. My wife, I got the slim one from my wife. Buddy, when I took trips, that thing was amazing. So much music. I got good at, uh, I figured out how to like, put my own pictures on it for my own wallpapers. Yeah. Imagine giving your kids a bunch of game codes for Christmas. Well, typically what I do, Jaggy, and this is one of the reasons why owning physical is so nice, I download the game instead of going to the store and buying it. So if I were to do that for my kiddos, I would just download it, you know, the night before. It's a shame that the Switch dock doesn't have an Ethernet. I think you can buy, like, a USB Ethernet. Is that aftermarket, or is that official Nintendo? You had a fat brown one? I had a fat brown one. Yeah. It's still here somewhere in my home. It was the future. No one bought into it. Yeah, man. Apple had such a stranglehold on that market. A real early stranglehold. $5 tip from Gorthysis. Thanks for the great news and conversation. Heading into work. Catch you tomorrow. Thank you for the $5 tip. Gorthysis. Yeah, that's the one I had, Sven. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ultimate point. Dismissing physical sales because most sales are digital is silly because most games are digital only once you get outside of AAA, says Eugene. <clears throat> My husband still has a Zune. Yeah. Physical is very viable metric for AAA. Okay, well, then that goes back to the crisis core sales breakdown. The point Eugene making is an important point in the debate. So now we have two games that are, are popular to varying degrees. You know, we got Shovel Knight right here. We got this paragraph. Like, when they hit their 2 million unit milestone, only 5% of those were on Xbox. You know, less than 100,000. And now we got Crisis Core, similar situation. Physical sales in the UK, 6% on Xbox. That's not a slam. These are just market realities that are likely playing a part in third-party games landing on the platform. Guys, we've gotten a lot of great feedback on this bag as well as here's it's got all the stuff on the back for you as well uh as well as the flavor so if you haven't tried our holiday blend yet oh my autofocus was angry about that if you haven't tried our holiday blend yet try our frickmas blend we ship next day we'll get it to you very very quickly and we also have a light and a dark roast that reforged roast is our coffee that's not a sponsor all right we've only had one coffee sale today so Let's hear from Chad how good it is, and let's see some folks give it a whirl. You can do a triple threat and try all three of our flavors, and you get a little bit of a discount as well. The white bag's dope. You think you guys might do future holiday bags white? We would obviously change the print, like Reforge would be black. This was meant to be printed on black bags. So, you guys get a nice limited edition bag that I sign. But yeah, we would change the print. And we may end up being like, dark and light will be black, and then every year you guys can look forward to the white bags. But we're not going to have them look like that, right? I, we obviously want it to look a little, you know... This doesn't look bad. 
but it certainly isn't isn't it's not our it's not our vision right this doesn't look bad this looks nice it stands out it's bright it's like oh wow and then you can use hashtag you know white frickmas on uh, on twitter but we obviously have a different vision for what the bag should look like you know i mean if you look at that and you look at that we're very minimalistic you know nice solid colors no gradients you know that's kind of our that's kind of our deal kind of our dealio thank you to all the new subscribers today uh thank you to everybody who supported the diablo upload yesterday it uh it kind of turned the corner overnight. I, I woke up this morning, had a bunch of comments. So thank you everybody who commented and responded and replied to that. We appreciate that very much. You still buy physically, but mostly digital. I, I don't even know the last time I bought a physical game. Like, I buy collector's editions, but even those don't come with physical games anymore. So those kind of don't count, right? Like, they, they kind of don't count. I, you know, I don't know. That was a great video. Thank you, Kill You. Kill You, did you do something? I think I missed something that you did in my chat. Did you renew or tip or something? I'm having a memory that I missed your... You did something, and I feel like I didn't shout it out. Where is it? Or did you just come in and say something? 23 months? Man, I'm really, really sorry I didn't shout that out. We, the, the, the alerts... Sometimes don't um, they don't kick me with the, the with the um, the celebration. Thanks for 23 months, man. You've been around since the very very beginning. Appreciate you, bro. How to put an order in? Is there a link? You can go to reforgeroast.com. There's always links below. If you're watching the VOD, you can click the link below or go to reforgeroast.com or the coffee command that I just put in chat. If you're ever curious about our sponsors or anything, I'm usually wearing a shirt from one of our sponsors, 80s Teaser, Into the AM, and then my glasses are from Gamer Advantage. So used glasses, shirt, coffee. I don't don't like to... You'll notice in one hour and 56 minutes, this is the first time I kind of mentioned those things. You can use those commands or the links below. So. And this has been really exciting. This is a community idea, you know, hitting the 25 and then I gift the 5, and you guys have been awesome. Love Into the AM. Their shirts are awesome. Yeah, just remember, anytime you shop at any of those places, Into the AM, 80stees.com, if you use the Epic Game Store, just make sure you use code LONO. We even have an Amazon affiliate link if you're doing last-minute Christmas shoppings, you know, stuff like that. That is, uh... That's something that we... We, we welcome you guys using. That link is below in the description, and there's like an Amazon command. Yo, a 16-month milestone for Jaggy at a member plus. This can be my virtual Christmas card to you and your family. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that very, very much. Yeah, guys, obviously this week with the holiday, we're actually not taking any time off. So if you are a member or you're considered becoming a member or you got a membership, my wife and I will be streaming together Friday night. That is the night before Christmas Eve, so I'm thinking through what we could do to make it real Christmassy. Um, you know, have some drinks. Maybe I'll read you guys a Christmas book and we'll play some video games. We're not going to do the Five Nights of Frickmas. We had a big member goal for that. Maybe we'll bring that back next year if you guys hit that goal. Uh, that was something that, you know, Creature threw out there. And uh, that was an incentive that we ran, I think, end of November, I think. Yeah, end of November. Happy 
Actually not true on PlayStation. 95% of the games require no internet connection to play except for the patches and stuff, obviously. Yeah, and even then your game would still run. It just wouldn't get the day one patch. It's not it's not like it wouldn't run. You just wouldn't you wouldn't get those day one quality of life things. Night before Christmas story. We'd have to make sure that that's public domain. It probably is public domain by now. Even if it's members only, you got to be careful with reading books. The stuff that I did on Purple back in the day with Frickmas probably wouldn't fly with some of the things that I read. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you can't, like, you can't read The Grinch, you know? No. We'd have to, we'd have to shift those, some of those things around. And we wouldn't be able to do some of them. But that's fine. I mean, we're not doing it this year. I'm gonna go ahead and call this one, and we're gonna head to uh, New Trailer Tuesday, which is a members-only segment. You guys have a few minutes if you wanna if you wanna hit that goal. If you wanna bring some of these people with us, usually when we wind down, a lot of folks leave, but the people that stay are more than deserving of uh, of snagging a membership from you guys. Let me get this scheduled. Could do the story in your own style the night before gaming. I mean, I'm not. I, I don't have time. I don't have time to do that. <laughs> I don't have time to do that. Back in the day, we did a, we did a lot of things like that. We did a lot of things like that. Man, we gotta get a new. Gotta get a new trailer Tuesday thing going here. Would love to hear an eczema story. Um, okay. Turn that on. That. Set it for that. Remember, stream has been created. Oh, I forgot about this pop up. I was like, what in the huh? Okay, that's been created. Was that? Save the redirect. Christmas movie watch along on Friday. No, no. I'm not doing like a movie watch party or anything like that. That was a huge member goal. We did the Star Wars watch party for I think 2000, and I we'll do that again. Obviously, every time. What was the watch party? Was it 2000 or 2500? I can't remember, but that's a pretty big member goal, right? Like I have no problem doing stuff like that, but that's uh. That that's that's gonna be that's gonna be a member. It was, was it twenty five hundred, Abe? I feel like it was two thousand. Twenty five hundred was something else. I feel like twenty five hundred was something else. Two thousand was the watch party, and twenty five hundred we we I added something else that we did, and then we said three thousand for just dance. Which I'll do that every dadgum month if you guys hit three thousand members. Up. Every, I'll do that every month. Anytime you hit 3,000, I'll be like, all right, fine. Here you go. Here's another Just Dance stream. Me acting like a friggin' idiot. <laughs> it was really funny. We are at 1465. 
I, I wanted to hit 1500 and we are uh, 35 members away from 1500 members so which means we're about 500 away from the Star Wars watch party the, fu- the great thing about that Star Wars watch party is you can always go back and use it as a Star Wars watch party you can use the VOD because we didn't pause the movie and I tell you right when to unpause it and so you can just listen to Madam and I banter as the movie plays so we would obviously do Star Wars episode 2 next if we hit 2,000 members so we're on the, we're on the slow climb and every month we hit 2,000 I'll give you that watch party the following month and if we hit if we hit 3,000 I'll give you Just Dance I have no problem doing those as incentives because you people seem to really like the Just Dance thing right we just you know we need folks to buy in that's what it is we need folks to be like this is a dope place I'm jumping in because gifteds are great and then the other the other cylinder in the engine is people doing memberships on their own and we saw that for about a week and now we're not seeing that again a lot of folks are just not doing it and again that's a slow process that's YouTube right and we're cool with it we're good with it Y'all that have been gifting and helping us hit this goal every day, y'all are getting us slowly back to where some of those really fun things can happen. The watch parties, the just dances, like those goofy things, things like that. What's the member's high score? 3,000 members is the high score. Yeah, that's the highest we've ever been. So... Who out here buying new games to play them unpatched and buggy? I think a lot of people buy games and don't get the day one patch because it's just like like what Eugene is saying. Sometimes those day one patches are enormous. They're enormous. Like you're talking about like if your internet's slow, you're you're talking about not playing the game until tomorrow. You're like, well, I was gonna play this game today, but I guess not. Like, look at what happened to me the other day. High on Life pushed out a day one patch and I had to sit around and wait for 20 minutes and I've got pretty fast internet. You know, that wasn't even me. Usually I stay steady at the 300 meg down. I pay for 900 and I, you know, I get about a third of that on Xbox and about 200 down on, on Sony. You know, they throttle or they're congested or whatever, but it kept dropping. It kept getting really, really slow. So I... Oh, yeah, Murph, we had to go back and mute parts of the Just Dance stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to go back and mute. I just figured if you weren't here live, sorry, man, we we had to go and mute those. It took a couple of days to mute all those sections, so that's just an incentive to be here live if we ever do anything right. If If we ever do anything like that, that's an incentive to, you know, to be here live. Uh, you know. Like, I'm just now muting, I, you just reminded me, I'm muting the final song from the Game Awards, so we'll have zero copy claim, copyright claims on the channel. Although, Elden Ring, not Elden Ring, Dark Souls 3 can freaking suck my toe. The, the, the entire time I'm fighting Cinder, they're sharing, there's like a monetization share on that song. I love you from soft, but frick you. <laughs> frick you. Like, What? I gotta do a monetization share with your freaking soundtrack? Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> it doesn't even have that many views. It's just annoying. Like, you see it on the back end, you're like, I'm... D- Wait, say what? <laughs> Cinder's song? 
Really? Y'all are going to claim that? All right, fine. No, no, Elden it never happened in Elden Ring. And it never happened in the rest of Dark Souls. Just the Cinder fight. I don't know. I don't even know if it's from Soft. It might be a false claim. It might be some guy who used the music and is claiming it. And, you know, who knows? Who knows? I actually didn't look at who, 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 the, who the claimant was. I didn't. I probably should look. Who am I sharing this with? Identified as a cover song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I should say this is a false claim. It's on behalf of some Bacconi music identified as a cover song. Yeah. Whoever's claiming it doesn't actually own it. It's not from Soft. Yeah, and when I go to mute it, it's not two minutes. They want me to mute like 17 minutes. You know, yeah. It might be easier. It literally might be easier to just mute the two minutes that it happens than to dispute it. You know what I'm saying? To be like, you know what? I'm not even going to give you um, claim won't automatically de- de- release. Oh, it plays for, it plays, it's showing me two minutes, but it plays for apparently, uh, it plays for longer than that. Yeah. That's one long song. Yeah, apparently it plays till the end to two to two twenty or two seventeen or something. Twenty seven. Fight the good fight. Yeah. We might dispute that later. That's just frustrating. It's not even a huge deal. It's just dumb. It's just some dummy who like used the music in probably some cover song remix or something. I don't know. If you guys are hanging out and enjoying the discussion, I have no idea why the viewership spiked. I Maybe I did something that caused a buffer and that caused people to refresh. It's very possible. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang just a moment and give a recap just in case this is a genuine viewership spike. I doubt that it is, but if it is, let me give you a recap on what we covered. Xbox and third-party games. What's going on? Why are so many games skipping? Not all games. They're certainly having some third-party success with games like High on Life. We took a look at this article here uh, by Windows Central. So this is not some like anti-Xbox hit piece. Why are major third-party games constantly skipping Xbox? And so this guy, Miles, is a huge fan of Japanese developers and JRPGs. And he was just sort of walking through... You know, number one, why is this relevant? You know, why the, why is the media not taking a look at this? He was struggling to get answers at times. Some of the people that he spoke with actually would only speak off the record, uh, and so he was he was sort of trying to get answers. He looked at like, you know, things like Shovel Knight not doing well, like five percent of their total two million unit sales. Only five percent of those uh, was on Xbox. Uh, he took a look at porting costs, you know, three to six months for just an indie title and around $50,000. And that obviously goes up much higher for AAA studios. And then I add into that the idea of, hey, you also have to consider whenever you port a game to the Xbox ecosystem, you're also porting the game to not just the Series X, but also to the Series S, which requires uh, a little bit more optimization. So, 
Before we head to members, I'm going to quickly run upstairs and use the restroom. If you guys want to get a little train going, you can do one at a time. You can gift as as, as low as one member. If you want to jump in as a member and you want to come with us for the next segment, feel free to do that. I'll be right back. Make sure you've done all the things. Smash like, smash subscribe. Uh, On Tuesdays, we do new trailer Tuesdays, hanging out with members. And then we'll be back for a public stream. Our second public stream today is going to be about Blue Protocol and is it a gotcha game? So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Uh, And thanks so much for all the support today. We've got more content coming up.
Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, Zuberi, your stuff wasn't showing up. We have kids. We're helping a family out. And, uh... Yo, look at how many people left because I took a break. Now is the time to do gifted members. Because <laughs> the people that are still here, they are here. That's, that is, uh, that's loyalty. The, the drive-bys and the fair weathers, they have left. They have left. Yeah, Zubair's no longer shadow banned. Hey, thank you for the coffee order. Dead 718 ordered a bag of Frickmas and two bags of Dark Roast. Thank you, Dead. I appreciate that very, very much. Rats. We've been at 23k for a while. Sven, for some reason, it's not doing the dot. It should be 23.2. Yeah, we, we got 23k a couple of days ago. I'm not sure why they got rid of the 23.2. So it probably looks like it changed because for a couple of days it was 23.1 and now they're just showing 23. So it, it probably to you triggered like a, hey, so it, oh, it changed. He rolled it over. We hit 23, then we hit 23.1, then they got rid of showing the dot one, and then today we hit dot two. So I'm not sure what they're doing. Epic share content couldn't turn away. All right, let me send out all the alerts about the member stream. If you guys want to take a bunch of people hostage and bring them with us, deal. Free. Uh, and eventually we'll have um, we'll have um, thumbnails for these streams, like new trailer Tuesday. We didn't do mean comment uh, Monday yesterday. I was just gonna go look at comments, but we got into a discussion and we were just having fun, just kind of doing like a flyby, the seat of our pants. New trailer Tuesday. All channel members post. Okay, going here. That was new. No, you're good, Sven. You're good. It, it. I'm telling you, it triggered in your brain that something changed because they did change it. It was throwing. It was showing twenty three dot one. Oh, you guys want to have a whole day where we pretend we, pretend we can't see Zubair? That would actually be unkind. Because he would think that it's still busted. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Eventually somebody, some random would be like, I can see what you're saying, Mr. Zubair. <laughs> somebody would give us away. Somebody would. Well, I don't, the rest of us can't. Or we would all pretend that we can't see the person that can see Zubair. Like, make him think he's going crazy. Not only can we not see him, but the person that's actually talking to him isn't really there either. <laughs> did I set up redirect? Okay, I did. I set up redirect. Okay, if you guys don't like writing the redirect, some people lately have re- re- redirect has not been working. You can click the link in chat to head over to the member segment. If you're not a member, consider becoming one or watch as often as you can. That way you can get a gifted. We'll see you in the second stream today about Blue Protocol. And you guys, again, can click that link in the chat. We also hit the Discord with an announcement and the community tab with an announcement. Thanks so much for clicking on the video. This is going to be another members-only sort of lunch break midstream thing. And on Tuesdays, 
we like to do new trailer Tuesdays. Thank you to all of the new members, all the people gifting members. We are really, really close to being back at 1,500 members. Uh, keep in mind, we still have those incentives. 2,000 members will do that Star Wars watch party. Somebody was asking for like a Christmas movie watch party. Uh, we'll continue moving through the Star Wars movies, and we're close to 1,500, so we're slowly getting back to those nice big milestones. And again, um, the, the one time if you guys missed it, you can go back and watch if you're a new member. You can watch when my wife and I played the quarry or even the dance, the Just Dance stream. That's for 3,000 members, by the way. I don't, I'll do that every month, but only for 3,000. I'm going to end the previous stream where we talked about Xbox not having uh, third-party games or third-party games skipping Xbox. 